Baitas. starting in about five minutes. God bless you for tuning in this morning. Father, we ask you to bless us this morning. God, as we come forth in your name through your word, God, we ask you to touch us right now in the name of Jesus. For God, we cannot do anything of ourselves, but it's in you that we live, breathe, move, and have our being. And God, we say thank you today for what you've already done. And God, we thank you for opening up your words to our ears, that our heart might be receptive and our mouth might speak the utterance of your word, the word that gives power to all those that believe in your name. And God, we say thank you for what you've already done. In the matchless name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Be blessed by the music until we get ready to start. God bless you. Come on, come on in, come on in. We're about to start in about two minutes. God bless you, God bless you. God bless you, we'll be right on. Thank God for you. Yes, come on. We have a whiteboard, live chat. So if there's things you want to talk about during the discussion, you'll be able to talk about them during the discussion. And we pray that other pastors and ministers will come on and help support this online live Bible study. It's not about Bishop, but it's about all of us. I mean, we want to give some information that's critical to the body of Christ. A lot of people go to church, but they don't understand how to study their Bible. And they don't know where to begin. Um, in Christ, he says in Revelations 1 and 8, I'm Alpha, Omega, the beginning and the ending. So we must make sure that we find him in the beginning and the end because it's totally inclusive to God's will and his word for your life. Amen. So come on and tune in to this live broadcast. We're in the studio ready to bless you because God has blessed us. Thank you. We have four people who are on and is joining. We're excited. Amen. We're going to give a couple of more minutes because the program actually starts at 10 o'clock. So we're going to wait for about two minutes and we're going to start. Enjoy the music. God bless you. Get your Bible and your notes ready.
please forgive my typos in the room. <laughs> Hallelujah. We're going to ask all pastors to make sure on the whiteboard, the chat, that because I can't teach and type at the same time. So please make sure those who know us and who understand the doctrine of Jesus Christ, please make sure that you support us as we're teaching. God bless you. We're going to start in three minutes. I'm bound to praise you. Yes. you have your Bible, if you don't have a Bible, make sure you get one. We're going to have three scriptures this morning, only three. Amen. We're going to have three scriptures this morning. After this next song, we'll start. We have two minutes. this next song yes come on get it with us come on praise God with us this morning yes Ooh, yeah yeah bo, shot mm. come on get your heart and your mind ready come on move them arms yes come on lift him up he's worthy come on you on with Bishop Robert Johnson real talk Man, God bless you. Thank you for tuning in today. We are excited to start with our online world international Bible study. Amen. God gave us this a year ago, and now it is coming to fruition. And we thank God for you, for all those who are tuning in. Amen. We're not on Facebook live, but we are on YouTube live um, broadcasting around the world to those who have subscribed to our channel but the video will be up after we finish. So today we want to talk about some things that are very important in Revelations, the uh, verse chapter one and verse, I'm saying something. Okay, it says offline. Let's see what's going on. Okay, it says we're back on, we resume. He says in Revelations one and eight, I am Alpha Omega, the beginning and the end. Amen. So we need today to find out where the beginning is and where do we start and where do we go. So follow me right quick. Amen. We've already prayed. So I need you to turn with me to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verses 6 through 8. This is where we're going to start today. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verses 6 through 8. And I'll read and it says, I have planted, Apollos have watered. But God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planted anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word today. God, we ask you to word our mouth and allow your spirit to direct our steps. God, that we may give to your people what's necessary in order for them to be better kingdom-minded and kingdom-principled when it comes to your word. And God, we say yes in Jesus' name. So there's something here we want to deal with 
here in the scriptures. Oftentimes, we hear individuals read the scripture, one planet, one water, and God gives the increase. Let me build the understanding here. So as we go into the text, you will see what I'm saying based on Revelations 1 and 8, where Jesus says, I am the Alpha Omega, the beginning and the end. Consider Alpha Omega, the beginning and the end. Here in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 3, 6, he says, one plant, one water, but God gives the increase. So here we want to make sure that we define the principles of the text whereby you are blessed because your understanding has been opened. We want you to continue in prayer as God's word is going forth because the Bible declares the disciples walk with him for a period of time before he opened up their understanding. So your understanding being opened will come through the constitution of prayer. Amen. And for you being in close proximity in relationship with the word of God. So when he says one water or one planet, the one who is planning is actually the preacher. The preacher does the evangelistic work by taking the gospel out to those who don't know the gospel. Well, what is the gospel? The gospel is the death, the life, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So the one who is the planter is the one who gives information to those who are, out, who are without ground or soil so they can be planted in. Then he says, after the seed is planted through the gospel, it needs to be watered. Well, the watering or the nourishment is the teaching. It is the fundamental principles of God's word, whereby what has been planted in the ground is able to grow and be nurtured by God's word. And then after that, the Bible declares that faith commit by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So the seed that has been planted through hearing the preaching of the gospel now is in the ground and that seed is being nourished through the teaching of the word of God, Jesus Christ. Then it says God gives increase. Now, so what does that mean? When you hear the word of God and the application of the word of God becomes valuable to you and you begin to live in God's word, then God's word begin to increase the value of that seed that which is planted in the ground. That's why first John one and not first John three, nine says this, it said, he that is born of God cannot sin for the seed of the word of God remains in him. In other words, once the seed has been planted into the ground, uh, then what happens, those who teach, they're actually nourishing the seed and God begins to give the increase to the seed based on the faith that the seed has in God. Amen. Now we can go to the next scripture, making sure that you understand that. The next scripture will come from Hebrews, the 10th chapter and the seventh verse. But there's something that we're going to talk about in a minute that's very critical. Um, Hebrews, the 10th chapter and the 7th verse, it says, Then said I, Lo, I come in the volume of a book, and it is written of me to do thy will, O God. So Jesus Christ came in the volume of the book. He came as the word of God. According to John 1 and 1 says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And there was not anything made that was made without the word. But in verse 14, says, it says, then the word was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. All right. Glory of the only begotten son, full of grace and full of truth. All right. But then what we want to look at there is the next scripture we want to go to is John. 539. This is critical. 
This is going to set where we're going. Jesus Christ is dealing with these religious leaders in the book of John. And they feel that they understand the scripture because of their aptitude or because of their academic or their education, whereby that they, they feel that they're more versed in explaining things than the one who actually was the word of God himself. But Jesus tells them this, and I quote, Jesus said, you study or you read the scripture for in them, you think you have eternal life. Then he says, but these are those that testify of me. So anywhere you read in the word of God, it is just, it is the testimony of Jesus Christ and the work that he does or has done to give the father glory. In other words, I'll give you an example before we continue. Um, John the Baptist was in jail, right? And he was about to be beheaded. So John at time had doubt like many of us do. We have doubt. So John sent word by his disciples to Jesus and asked the question, are you the one or should we look for another. So Jesus Christ responded and he sent word back to John. He said, tell John that the eyes of the blind are being opened and the dumb or the deaf they are hearing and the lame that they are walking. Not only are they walking, they are leaping, they are jumping. But I need you to understand something. Jesus Christ said again, he's Alpha Omega, the beginning and the end. What Jesus responds to John was just not an oral statement or something that he came up with. Jesus Christ gives glory to God because in his statement, he goes back to Isaiah 35. When I, in the book of Isaiah 35, um, verse Isaiah 35, chapter 35, verse one, Jesus Christ says, and the Bible says, and the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf of the dumb, they shall hear and the lame man shall leap and walk. So what Jesus does, he gives God glory because he goes back and he pulls information that was already written before his birth because he is the word of God and he gives John God's word. So then John is not he does not receive excitement or he's, he's satisfied. But what John does, he understands that the plan of God is at work because John knew the Old Testament and the scriptures whereby Jesus Christ called those things from the past as though they were not as though they were. So then John is excited because he knows here now that Jesus Christ is the true evident one, the son of God. So now let's go to the next slide. Okay, so what I want to do, I want to look at something that most churches don't do or don't teach. And am I against most churches? Not at all. But what I want to do, I want to give you something that's foundation and that's critical here. Um, it's critical. I teach it in our church, and, it's, and it helps those Bible students a lot. And sometimes we go to church, and we truly appreciate the pastor with the great homily and the pastors who are able to give us something. But when we go home, we don't know how to find God for ourselves. So what I want to do today, they taught us something in school to anytime you write a paper, you need to identify the five W's and the one H. All right. The five W's and the one H who, what, when, where, why, and how. When you study God's word, it's critical that you identify the who, that you identify what happened, did you, that you identify when it happened, why it happened. And how it happened. If you can do that, the application of understanding through prayer in God's word will be, be able to reveal to you what God is trying to share with you found in his word. In the book of 2 Corinthians, the third chapter and the sixth verse, 
it declares, uh, and I'm going to paraphrase, it says that the letter killeth, but the spirit make it alive. There are a lot of people who, are acad who have academics. Um, they're great scholars. They're very educated. They're very noble when it comes to studying God's word. But if they don't have the word of God from a spiritual perspective that God is giving them revelation, then what happens, they leave a lot to the text, not exposed and unexposed to its audience or to its believers. So what we're going to do today through prayer, we're going to teach you something that, that you may use when you're studying and when you're ministering. So today what we want to look at, we want to look at what? What happened in the Bible that God sent his only son that he would have to die for our sin? It's critical. What happened? And we need to verify what happened and look at what happened. It's very important again. We want to say thank you to all those everywhere who are tuning in. We're going to deal with the five W's and the one H for the next three weeks. All right. For the next three to four weeks. So it's critical here. So today we're going to look at, remember, we're dealing with the five W's and the one H. Write that down. The five W's and the one H. Who, what, when, where, why, and how. All right. A lot of scholars go to um, theologians or those individuals who study. They learn these small principles in college. They, ch they change the words called exegesis and eisegesis so they can go back and study behind the text. So what we want to show you how to do is study behind the text because of all things are lawful but not expedient, the Bible says. And then everything that was written was not written to you, but it was written for you can to learn from it. The Bible declares the scriptures that were written aforetime were written for our learning, but the application of every text in the Bible is not for you and for you to benefit from because there's certain things that you can't qualify to become a part of because you weren't there in that geographical location or you were in, in that area or a part of what was going on, but you can learn from it. All right, so let's go to the next slide here. It's critical. God's promise to redeem man after the fall of man. Consider I use the word man twice. God's promise to redeem man after the fall of man. So what happens and what are we talking about? We're dealing with the what, the H, the what, I mean the W, the what. So this is what we're saying. In the beginning, God created Adam and he created Eve. He took woman from the rib of man and he formed man from the dust of the ground. And God said that he made man in his image, yet man could not be uh, physical because the image of God was not physical. It is spiritual. God does not have flesh and blood. Thus, Adam was a spiritual being in the beginning. But then the Bible declares that the day you break covenant, you shall surely die. Death then was equal to man leaving the state of being spiritual and becoming uh, as the world, a flesh uh, being within a world and a society which is governed by Satan. That's why in the book of Revelations, God says, for I beheld Satan coming down to the earth as lightning, woe into the inhabitants of the earth. So then when Adam and Eve break the covenant, they are no longer spiritual beings, but now they have been placed in a position within a world that is decaying. Well, why do you say that, Bishop? The Bible declares that all that is in this world is the lust of the flesh, 
the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. So then Adam and Eve become a part of satanic kingdom and satanic influence, whereby everything that they do from their bloodline and their descendants uh, become a curse to the world. A lot of people don't know that. This is why we're teaching the five W's and the one H. Uh, so then what happens if you look at Adam's family, we see the first murder to where blood is spilled on the ground. Uh, we see that Adam had two sons, one by the name of Cain and the other by the name of Abel. Consider now that Adam and Eve are no longer walking in spiritual harmony with God because they forfeited the position and the place that they were in with God. Thus, they now become physical beings, which means the application of being a physical being is that you are part of this world and you are a part of the prince of this air. Thus, the influence of the devil uh, took place and took root in their life. Oh, but remember when the Bible says that Adam had was in close communion with God, that God came down in the cool of the evening through the spirit and he communed with Adam. They had relationship. But it was when Adam broke the covenant by defying the law of God that he fell from the position to where God had him spiritual. And now his entire family has wrecked the entire earth. That's what David says in mother and consent. My mother conceived me. I was born in sin, shapen in iniquity. Thus Adam's he removes his family from the position of life eternal. Consider what I just said. Adam removes his family from the position of life eternal and now they are in the position of dying uh, eternally because Adam broke God's covenant. Consider in the book of Matthews, it talks about the genealogy of Jesus Christ and the bloodline. If you go throughout Jesus' bloodline, it never mentions Adam or Eve. And it's brought, I believe it's brought back in by Seth. Amen. But it never mentions Adam and Eve because they could have not been a part of God's prophetic plan to redeem man because they were disobedient. So it does not mention Adam and Eve. So what I want to do today is go to Revelations chapter 22. Follow me to Revelations chapter 22 verses 1 through 5. And this is what I want to show you which most don't teach. I don't know if they don't know it and I don't they, they, I don't know if they don't know how or or it has not been revealed to them. But God wants to restore you and I back to kingdom relationship, kingdom principles and kingdom understanding whereby we have kingdom value with God in what? His kingdom where he sits on the throne. So the place that Adam forfeited, the purpose of Jesus coming was to redeem you and I back to the same position or the same place in God so you and I can have a right to the tree of life that Adam gave up. Revelations 22, 1 through 5. And this is John on the Isle of Patmos. God takes him up into a vision. He begins to speak to him. And listen what he says. And he showed me a pure river of water, of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the midst of the street of it and on either side of the river was there a tree of life which bare twelve manner of fruit and yielded her fruit every month and the leaves of the trees were for the healing of the nations i want you to pick me up too also in verse three and there shall be no more curse mm. no but the throne of god 
and of the lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. Isn't this amazing that the Garden of Eden was never removed, but God changed the name in the New Testament when he's coming back again and his kingdom will be on this earth where the same garden that has been hidden with an angel which is in front of it that no man can find but God calls it the new Jerusalem so when Adam and Eve was truly in they were already in Jerusalem Jerusalem the garden of Eden but God's going to allow us to sit with him in this garden when he comes. And all those who have kingdom right with him, who have been obedient to his word and were a part of the rapture, will sit with him. But this time, we're going to be called servants like Adam was a servant. But watch this. Adam at first was made a servant in the spirit. But when he broke the will and the constitution of God, God allowed him to go out and to live. But he will work with his hands. All right. But here in the text in Revelations, we will be servants. But the word servant here denotes worshiper, one who worships God in the spirit. So we won't be physically working, but we will be worshiping God in the spirit. In the book of first or third John, the Bible said, beloved, it doeth not yet appear what we shall be. But when we know he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And men this corruptible go put on incorruptible. Adam put us in the position of being corruptible. This mortality, this immort this mortality go put on immortality. Child of God, God wants to put us back in the same position that Adam had, perfect harmony with God, where he broke the covenant and he gave it up. So that's that's the W. That's the what. Adam gave it up, but God sent Jesus to redeem us so you and I can live in perfect harmony with God again one day when he comes. Why do you think the Bible declares when Jesus died and they put his body into the tomb? When they put his body into the tomb and then one of the women of God went to anoint his body. And after she did that, when they came back, the disciples, they looked in the tomb and they saw his clothes neatly folded up. And then they looked over into the corner and the napkin that covered his face was neatly folded up. Well, if you know anything about the manners and customs of the Jews, one thing that you must note is that when the master sits at the table to eat, if he takes his napkin and balls it up and wipes his hand and throws it to the side, that means he's done. But if he takes his napkin and neatly folds it up and sits sit it at the place where he's sitting, that means he's not dumb. He's not done. He's coming back. So what Jesus was telling the disciples the promise that I made you in John that I'm coming back but I'm going to prepare a place for you that where I am there you may be also so the napkin being neatly folded represented that Jesus died and that he's coming back for his bride he's coming back so you and I can live eternally with him in the new in the new Jerusalem that's why the Bible said we are servants oh my God hallelujah we praise God you're getting this this morning all right, then let's go to our next slide. I'm trying not to preach. Okay, where, where does this all start? This is going to be our last um, slide for today. We're going to pick it up next week. Where does this all start? The plan or the purpose of redemption? First of all, remember that the Bible says in Revelation, I beheld Satan coming down to the earth as lightning. Woe into the inhabitants of the earth. So there is something that's given for us and there is a fight that goes on in the spirit because the enemy wants to stop God's plan of redemption so what happens is you got to understand in Genesis 3:15 there is the first declaration made of a covenant promise to where God will redeem us to himself watch this 
it says, I'm going to paraphrase, it says that the seed of the woman shall bruise the head of the seed of the devil. Uh, but the devil says, the Bible says, it will bruise his heel. There's a difference between the heel and the head. Oh, uh, If you injure the head 90% of the time, the body will fall. If you injure the foot, that doesn't mean anything because you still can recover. So it says the seed of the woman would destroy Satan. So the plan of redemption will cause for the seed of the, wait a minute, a woman does not have seed. Uh, so how can the seed of a woman defeat the devil when the woman woman was not born with the, 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 the birth ability to have seed, but seed is given by man. Understand this. That's why God chose the, the, the woman, Mary. The Bible says she was favored among all women. Mary was a virgin. Amen. I'm not going to go into that because we're going to deal with that on our next show. So today we just wanted to leave you with Genesis 3.15. So as we continue what next week? The seed of the woman shall destroy the seed of the enemy, which is influence. Because when he came into the garden as a snake, he influenced Eve. So next week, we're going to pick up. How is the devil influencing you? How is he influencing others to stop the prophetic promise of redemption from God, for God, by God, to redeem us back to himself, found in Revelations 22, verses 1 through 5. God bless you today. We love you very much in Jesus' name. Continue to tune in and continue to be blessed. This has been Bishop Robert Johnson on YouTube Live, The Plan and the Purpose of Redemption.